So we're in the middle of a sermon series called We the Church. And I thought it was really cool that I had someone approach me to be baptized and we thought it would really be cool to do it today. And in fact, it's more than cool, it's cold. (laughs) And so we are not going to do the baptism today. Doesn't mean we're not going to do it, but we're going to postpone for some warmer weather. So, we won't be doing the baptism, wanted to get that up front um, first, but what a cool time in the middle of a series called We the Church that we can add to our membership. And so I want to share some things with you today about what it means to be a member. For those of you that are not a member of this church, you should know where we stand. And those of you that are members, you need to be reminded, we all need to be reminded from time to time, where we stand, Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunfee. The summary that's in your um, printed handout, too, if you want to follow along, I, I just want to share that. In a day when the Word of God is often watered down or abandoned altogether, Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunfee remains fully committed to the inerrancy of Scripture and the authority of the Word of God. Today we will consider the basic tenets and hear testimonies from our newest members um, that are be join- we will be joining with us today. The message notes that are in your handout have Scripture after each one, and I would recommend Later this week, you just go through and read each one of those scriptures and be reminded about what I'm going to speak about today. There are major things that all Christians, all evangelical Christians, evangelical means that we believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God, that all believe. And I want to focus on seven of them today. I would call these the majors. All evangelicals, from the time that the Holy Script was put together, decided that it was very important to major on the majors and minor on the minors. So these, I would say, are majors. These are things we cannot bend on. Those are God, as He presents Himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we'll look at God, we'll look at Jesus Christ, we'll look at the Holy Spirit. The other thing is the Bible and how important the Bible is. The fifth thing will be salvation. The sixth is the church. We all need to understand what is the church. And then the seventh thing are ordinances that are directly shared with us through the Word of God. So all of us know some groups who call themselves Christian, but they no longer are quite committed to the authority of Jesus. But the missionary church, that's the denomination that this local church belongs to, that is a part of on a greater scale all around the world, the missionary church recognizes Jesus Christ, as the ultimate authority. 
So in a day when the word of God is often watered down and abandoned altogether, we remain fully committed to the inerrancy of Scripture and the authority of the word of God. We are committed to the Great Commission. Let me read for you again what the Great Commission is. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jason, if you would go ahead and um, project our mission up here, I want to relate this Great Commission to our mission. Jesus said, starting at verse 18 in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, So that's the beginning. He says, I've I've got all this authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love the way he, he wraps these promises around the Great Commission. The first being, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, he's saying, that therefore you have this authority now in you being the church. And then at the end, he promises us he's always with us to the very end of the age. So let's break this down to Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunfee exists to meet people where they are. Where do we get that? It says, therefore, go and make disciples. We need to go and meet people where they are. That means in our own backyard, our neighbors, in our homes, our friends, people that we work with. We need to meet them where they are. Not only physically, but spiritually. Be ready to meet them where they are. They have been made in the image of God, but they may not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we meet them where they are. We love on them no matter where they are. And then he says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So making them disciples. It's just so hard for me to comprehend what it means to make somebody be a disciple. I'm not going to lock them up and say, you can't get out until I'm convinced you're a disciple. But we can show them Jesus. We meet people where they are, and we show them the love of Jesus. That's how we make the disciples. And the next part, he talks about baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. You don't do that to unbelievers. You do that to believers. That's why we say celebrate their commitment. So we don't lock them up. We don't baptize them with water, spray them down with a hose or something, and then let them out, right? That's not how you make disciples. That's not how you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we get to know them. And then they understand who that Jesus is that we love and that we are showing them. And they make a commitment. Then we can baptize. 
And the fourth part, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Grow together towards spiritual maturity. We never get there. Right? You're, you're looking at someone that's not there yet. And I can tell you, your next pastor is not there yet. And everybody sitting in here is not there yet. So we want to grow together. We need to support one another. We have some people that are gifted to teach. And they may have more knowledge and more experience or a way to share their experience and their knowledge that some of us can't do so well. So they teach, so we grow together. That's what it means to be sharing our gifts with each other. So now let's get into these seven majors that I was talking about. Being a member at Living Hope Missionary Church means that you are committed to these basic statements. You're committed to God. God is sovereign. God is supreme. And he has absolute authority over all of creation because he created it. There is only one eternal, all-powerful, the word is omnipotent, omnipotent means all-powerful, all-knowing, the theological word we would say is omniscient, and he is everywhere present. Or omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time. Even though he's with me in my home, he's also with you at your home. Isn't that cool? It's not like he has to travel from here to there because he is everywhere at all times. In our God, we call him a triune God. The Trinity. That just means that God is one but he has revealed himself to us in three different ways. He's revealed himself to us as the Father, the Father in heaven. He's revealed himself to us as the Son, Jesus Christ. So we celebrated the birth in December, right? And he's revealed himself to us as the Holy Spirit. It is God, this triune God, who is the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer of all things. Just a a note on a couple of the scriptures that I have referenced in your notes. Deuteronomy 6, 4-5. If you knew any Jews, Max is probably the closest to knowing, um, having close friends of the Israel country and grew up in the Jewish faith. They all know this verse. They call it the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We've heard that, right? Jesus told us that that's the way we need to love God too. So God is one God the Father in heaven, and then the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. This isn't a first name and a last name. It's not Jesus was born into the Christ family. (laughs) 
Jesus means the one who saves. That's what the angel told Joseph and Mary to name their son. But it wasn't really their biological son. It was the Virgin Mary who was carrying the Son of God. Christ means the anointed one. So we we just call him Jesus Christ or we'll call him Christ or we'll call him Jesus. But he is fully God and he is fully human. He is God incarnate. He was born of the Virgin Mary. So he did not have the seed of Adam in him. The old sin nature did not exist in Jesus Christ like it does all of us. So he was born of the Virgin Mary, he lived a sinless life, and he died to make atonement or payment for our sins, for the sins of all people, for all time. And then Jesus was resurrected. He had a resurrection body full of power and glory, and he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And this Jesus, this Christ, is coming again. He's coming again in power and glory for His believing followers, us who call ourselves the church. Jesus is the only Savior for all people, everywhere. You can... Look at the scriptures that I wrote down. Another one that I'd like to refer to is Matthew 28, 18, where it says, Jesus possesses all authority in heaven and on earth, right? That's what I read at the beginning of the Great Commission. And then we get to the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Or do you say Holy Ghost? I was grown up with Holy Ghost. When I was little, I never heard of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So you'll hear me use both. I'm trying to get up with the times. But let me tell you why there is a difference. There is really only one original word that God breathed in to the people that wrote this out in the original language of Greek, and that Greek word is pneuma. Pneuma. Well, there was this guy named Jimmy Stewart. Well, I probably should say James. He was the first of the Stewart family of the aristocrats in England. And when he became king, There was a lot of argument about who should have the scriptures so that they can read them themselves. And King James said, I think all the people should have the scriptures. So he got the scholars together and he said, I want you, I'm going to divide you up into three groups. And I want you all to translate the Old Testament and the New Testament into our supreme language. Old English. We call it Old English, but it was English. And so they did. Well, there were two groups translating this Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost type thing in the New Testament. The Westminster group, they translated 
pneuma as ghost. So everywhere in the King James where you see and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Ghost is coming, that was the Westminster group that had translated the Greek to English. And then there was the Oxford group. And these two schools, they would have competitions and things, so they couldn't agree on anything. So the Oxford group, they said, we believe that pneuma would be better translated spirit. So that's why in the King James, sometimes you'll see the Holy Ghost, and sometimes you'll see the Holy Spirit. So pick the one that's good for you. Now, with the more common English translations that we get, I think the Americans have decided that there's just way too much craziness with ghosts. All people are like, oh, what's a ghost? But we can kind of say a spirit. Hmm. Okay. So it's just more widely accepted. Most of the English translations that you see now will say Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost convicts the world of sin, convicts every single person of their sin, and convicts us of our righteousness, and that we need to be judged. And He judges us but then He also regenerates us. And He restores us. All who repent of their sins and believe on the only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost sanctifies, empowers, and teaches and guides us in all of of truth for all of our life and comforts us as believers. I've got to say one thing, sometimes I like telling funny stories. But if I use Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. There was this young boy that grew up next to the cemetery. And he would see these big parades come into the cemetery, and he would stand out there at the edge of the cemetery at his fence. And he would watch all the people gather around and there was somebody that would always stand in the middle and would talk for a while. And then at the end, he would hear the words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he would hear these every time he would see that parade came in, parade come in. And one day his mother told him, she said, you know, your teddy bear is really getting worn out. We really need to get rid of it. And she didn't know how to have him do it, but he suggested maybe do this cemetery type thing that he sees all the parades. So he called some of his friends over and he went in the backyard and dug a hole and he talked to his friends, said, this is my teddy bear and it's really been with me all my life and, and I just really love him, but it's time to, to be done with him. So he said, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and in the hole you goes. <laughs> and he put his teddy bear in. That's what he thought they were saying. Anyway, it doesn't work, and in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> all right. The next thing on one of the major things that we need to all be grounded in is the Bible. Ever since the Holy Writ was written, 
and it was put together as the Bible as we know it today. Evangelicals would say, where stands it written? We need to do that ourselves today. If there's arguments about something, we need to stop and say, where stands it written? The foundational question should come out of our mouth as evangelicals like it did from the very beginning. The Bible is the inerrant, divinely inspired word of God and authoritative in all matters that it addresses. It is God-breathed. The Bible, it says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, if you want to write down another scripture, the Bible is the revealed mind of Christ. Where stands it written? It's vital information for believers, but for all people. All people. Then we get into salvation. Salvation is an exciting time for a person in their life to finally realize you need to be saved. If you're not, you're going to hell because our sin deserves death. But Jesus, but Jesus died for us. Salvation is our adoption into God's family. Through Jesus Christ, it says in Ephesians 1.5, salvation is the result of genuine repentance. It's not just a, a, a thought of the day. Uh, you know, it's somebody that's been sinning, it's like, oh, what do I have to do? Okay, uh, yeah, I sinned. No, it's got to be genuine repentance of sin in your heart and to have faith in the atoning work of Jesus. Salvation brings forgiveness to the repentant. And it makes him or her a participant in the divine nature. Just think about that. When you were saved, and now today, after you're saved, you are part of the divine nature, a participant in it. And salvation gives us peace with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We call this new birth. Actually, in First uh, Peter chapter one verse three is where we came up with another another scripture to help us understand why we should call ourselves living hope. It says in that scripture that we are called to a new birth into a living hope. Now we also need to note that through salvation, I didn't talk anything about emotion. There is no emotional requirement. It's very common when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you and you are convicted that you will have some emotion, but it is not a requirement. church. We believe in the invisible and the universal church as the living body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we means that it's composed of all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ 
who have been vitally united in faith to Christ, the church's living head and sovereign Lord. And God prepares His church. He's preparing us right now to combat spiritual forces of evil and wickedness. The Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, that we need to put on the full armor of God. Believers within the church play a very essential role in revealing to Satan and all of the fallen demons that there is an absolute integrity of God. They are watching us and learning about God's integrity. We all look forward to that return of Jesus. The church becomes the bride of Christ. In Matthew chapter 9, we see that in verses 14 to 15, and then also in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I think that God was trying to explain something to us. He said earlier that in marriage, the two become one. When he calls us, the church, the bride of Christ, we become one with Christ for all eternity. What an awesome calling for the church, huh? And then the ordinances. We believe that there are two, two Christian ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So what is an ordinance? Well, an ordinance is a rite, R-I-T-E, a spiritual practice that Jesus practiced and commanded us to continue to do. He ordained them for us to continue to do. It was appointed by Christ, and it is, they are to be administered by each local church. Not as a means of salvation, but as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And it becomes a seal of the reality within us when we participate in these ordinances. Baptism. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are immersed in the water the same way Jesus was. Remember in the Gospel of Mark? Jesus went before John the Baptist and he went down into the water. And as he came up out of the water, Jesus came up out of the water, the skies were ripped open. And the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And the voice of God the Father came down and said, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And baptism continues to link us as sons and daughters with God the Father. In the Lord's Supper, remember on the last night, 
The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink this. This is the blood of the new covenant which was shed for you. And then he said, Do this as often as you like. An ordinance to the church for all times until Jesus returns and we are caught up with him for all eternity. All who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and repent of their sin may participate in the ordinances of the church. So why am I going over these things? These are the kinds of things that are required for membership of Living Hope Missionary Church. So we have a couple people, and I'm going to talk as they come up. Stephen and Brendan, if you would. We're going to sit around the table here as you come up and just share a little bit. But I wanted to um, let the church know these are the types of things that we talk about in membership class. We went through the whole um, parts of the faith that the missionary church believes in. And we also talked about polity and practices within this church and the missionary church. And these two passed. <laughs> Here's some water if you want any. Um, and... I could have called you up here earlier and I could have asked you these questions and tested you in front of everybody, see how you answer, but I thought I'd just preach on it instead. But I did tell both of them that I would like to give them an opportunity, and this is always the fun part, is for them to share their life story with you. Where has God worked in their lives? And specifically, I want you each to talk about your baptism when it happened, why it happened, and what difference has that made in your life, and why um, you've decided to become a member here. Okay, you want him to go first? <laughs> I guess age before beauty. <laughs> well, I didn't know what we were doing today, so I had write. I had write. I had write. I had written something up, so I'll just go ahead and read it to start with so my history is that I grew up in a Catholic home and each Sunday my parents would take my two sisters and I to church my parents would attend the service while we went to Sunday school <clears throat> and though I completed some of the Catholic sacraments and served as an altar assistant I don't think that I ever truly understood what it all meant though I would go through the motions I attend church through most of my high school years and after high school, I would attend occasionally when I could make time for church. Then after getting married and before having kids, I finished college taking night classes. And I mentioned that one of the classes I enjoyed taking was the major world religions, which raised a whole lot more questions than they answered. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't until Garrett was born that we felt it important to go back to church regularly. So we did. And we did that as we felt that it was important for our kids to grow up in church and to learn about God and Jesus. 
and we spent those years at United Church of Christ in Catonsville, Maryland. Now, growing up, we had a family Bible that sat on the coffee table every day and was rarely opened. <laughs> um, but at some point, I made the decision to read the Bible cover to cover, and I didn't want to give it up. Um, I'll say this time because, yeah, I've tried before and always got bogged down in Leviticus and Numbers like I'm sure many people have. Um, I simply persevered, and I read through it knowing that I'd want to do it at least once in my life. However, after doing that, I found that I wasn't done with it, and I felt that I had to read it again. And so I had read it again another two or three times um, before we moved to Fort Wayne in 2010 because of work. And then I found that I enjoyed the two main Christian music stations here on the radio as well as the BOT radio network. And I began listening to the station and finding myself becoming very familiar with many of the pastors on the air. And after finding a home church, I was asking myself, do I want to be baptized? Because like I mentioned, I was brought up Catholic, so yes, I was baptized as a child but or a baby, and I didn't really, I really don't think that's the way to go. So in 2014, I did make the decision to get baptized and to follow Christ. Now for me, it wasn't, hey, I'm a new person, but instead I found myself slowly moving closer to God. And I found myself closer to God when in 2018, I started that year out of work, battling throat cancer, and then losing my dad in February. So I say that I'm thankful for what it says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, rose on the third day again according to the scriptures. Okay, I wanted to turn my mic back on. I want to ask you a couple <laughs> questions if you don't mind. Um, so where were you baptized? Uh, I was baptized when we were attending the chapel here in Fort Wayne. Uh, I was actually baptized at Summit Elementary School in their pool okay. on Easter morning. Cool. So that was before 2018? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. It was uh, 2014. And Okay, and then 2018 is when you had some family problems and your own personal health issue it is any of that did any of that push you toward seeking out another church or what what brought you to living hope <laughs> well my wife and i started going to church together with our kids and then my wife stopped going to church but i felt it important for my kids to go to church and then it was difficult for garrett when he got out of the sunday school classes and going to youth group because of his um disabilities he just had trouble understanding through the mainstream things that they talked about like it was just too fast for him and of course a lot of it was not written down um so i did find a church where he felt comfortable we had moved to uh life community church down on West Jefferson Boulevard, and he was very happy there until the uh, person, Young Nam, who taught the class, uh, moved with his family back to North Korea. Hmm. And um, so then Garrett was kind of lost again, and I took Sarah with me wherever we went because she has never met a stranger. But 
that probably wasn't the best thing to do at the time, as I found out later. But then we moved to ECC, where they do have an ABLE class, and Garrett thrived there for a while until he graduated high school. And then both kids, you know, said, hey, I like this one church. Garrett likes ECC, and Sarah likes uh, the chapel. So I would basically carpool them back and forth to the church because I know it was, at least for me, I felt it was more important that they go to church and learn something because I had my Bible and I would study at home as well as listen to either radio programs or, you know, old tapes. So <clears throat> last year I started looking for a home church because my kids were now just involved in youth group and not necessarily going to church on Sundays. And that's when I found Living Hope. All right. And you're okay with us, huh? <laughs> More than okay. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> thank you, Joe. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Stephen. You're welcome. Oh, gosh. Okay. I didn't write anything down. I feel really unprepared. So well, it's a different story. So too. you just want me to start from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I, as most of you know, I grew up in this church. I grew up when it was still Dunphy. Um, I know it hasn't even been Living Hope for that long. But I've grown up in this church, and um, um, my parents always brought me to church. Going to church wasn't really an option. Like, you came to church whether you liked it or not. And so <laughs> I, was always, I was always here. Not that it was necessarily a bad thing, but I was always here. And... When I was very young, I was three years old, um, a new family came to church, the Larsons came to church, and I found such a good friend in their oldest daughter, Gabrielle, and that is really what sparked my interest in wanting to come to church, because I wanted to come to church with her. So we grew up together as super close friends, and then one day, I vividly remember, I don't remember the date, but my mom got a call from... Carrie, at, which would be Elle's mom, at night that Elle had just accepted Christ, and I knew I want to accept Christ too. Not that I was trying to like copy her, but I just, <laughs> I just was like, I, like, I want to do that too. And it was so special that we got to share that moment together, and so we both accepted Christ on the same night when we were very young. I think we were like five and six years old. So we both became just super interested in church and going to like Sunday school together and things like that. And when I think I was eight years old, um, the opportunity came up for me and Gabrielle to get baptized. And it was so special for us to be able to accept Christ on the same day that we also got to be baptized together on the same day. So um, just through that, I found just like such a special friend in Christ and her whole family has been such like a spiritual like leaders to me all throughout growing up. So that's really like my baptism story. Um, I Remember I asked you um, what has that meant to you since your baptism and up to today and just recently you had some Yeah, examples. so it's definitely changed. So not that I didn't know what was going on because I was so young when I got baptized, but I definitely knew it was the th like what I needed to do at the time, but it wasn't until recently when I started going to a Christian college that I realized the importance of like what I did. Um, in one of my classes, I took a biblical like history and literature class, and we learned the importance of getting baptized because Christ also got baptized. And 
now that like I understand more of just the whole Christ getting baptized story, I just, I don't know, I just feel so much more closer to God now that I understand more than I did when I got baptized. So, yeah. All right. So you've been here your whole life. Yep. What do you think about the name change? I love it. <laughs> I do. I, I didn't love it. prep her for this. <laughs> I do. I love it. I think it's, I love it. And the mission? Yeah. I, um, actually, I started going to church with my sister. She lives in Bluffton and she goes to a missionary church in her town and it's called Hope and they had a mission statement. And this was like months and months and months ago, but, um, as soon as I started going to church with her and like they would recite their mission state statement every day or every Sunday, I was like, we need to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you want to be a member, huh? Yeah. Okay. You can turn off that mic if you want to. So I'm going to stand down here and just hold the bottom button until the light goes off. Thanks. Um, so we have a membership covenant and there's several things that you all that have been members here should have been asked these before but this is always a good reminder when someone else joins the church so I'm going to ask them the question and then I'm going to turn to you and just see if you affirm the same questions with you to support them in this membership so having been led to repentance toward God toward God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, we do now, in the presence of God and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into this covenant with one another as one body in Christ. Do you covenant by the aid of the Holy Spirit to work together in Christian love, to join in mutual labors for the kingdom of Christ, to strive loyally for the advancement of of Living Hope Missionary Church in holiness, knowledge, and love to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines? If so, say, I do. And you, church, do you support this covenant? If so, say, I will. Do you, by the... Um, covenant by the aid of the Holy Spirit to contribute cheerfully and regularly as God prospers us to support to the support of Living Hope Missionary Church in its worldwide ministries if so say I do church all right do you covenant by the aid of the Holy Spirit to maintain private devotions and family devotions where possible to endeavor to bring early to a saving knowledge of Christ all over whom we have the care and influence, to walk circumspectly in the world. We talked about that with them, but that means that we try to walk rightly in righteousness and that we refrain from doing evil things or things that are sinful. So do you? Um, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, covenant to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in your dealings and faithful in your engagements. If so, say, I do. Church? All right. Do you covenant by the aid of the Holy Spirit to care for one another in brotherly and sisterly love, 
to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy of speech, to be slow to take offense and always, always ready for reconciliation. If so, say I do. Church? Okay. We all need these reminders, don't we? Do you covenant by the aid of the Holy Spirit to witness faithfully to the saving and keeping power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that in every way we bring lost men and lost women to a saving knowledge of Him? If so, say, I do. Church? Amen. Welcome. You are now officially members of Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunfee. Thank you very much. Yep, and you can have your seat. And we are going to have our last song. And remember, we're having fellowship time and a great dinner after this last song.